Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. It is Monday, September 6th. I apologize for the day later on the podcast. Honestly, just had a lot going on yesterday and a holiday weekend. Didn't get around to it until today, but that's okay. I don't think anybody's freaking out. I haven't had any uh, people tweeting me or writing me nasty emails that they didn't get their podcast yesterday, and most likely no one is really heading back to work or looking for content today. Anyway, I hope you're all enjoying your holiday weekend, getting out, doing some fun stuff, spending time with friends and family. That's what it's all about. But today, we're going to discuss the Paula 2 National. I do not refer to it as the other name of the sponsor of the track. And we all know I, I obviously have fun with that. I don't really mean anything by it, but I just refuse to go there. And we'll also talk about the... MXGP round that was in Turkey on Sunday, and then they will be racing again on Wednesday, so we'll uh, talk about both of those. Before we do, mention the sponsors of the podcast, Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Blenzol Oils, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Fly Racing, and Blenzol. Thank you to all of them. Did I mention Premier Vapor Blasting? I don't know if I did, but Premier Vapor Blasting as well, huge part of the podcast. But let's jump right into uh, into Paula. And I am not a huge fan of this track. I'll just put that on the front end. It's not one that I would ever care to ride or care to go to. It just looks hot and dusty and doesn't look like much fun on race day. It's so ruddy and like just desert, blown out corner. I don't know. Just not for me. Not my style of racetrack. I would have, of course, dealt with it and sucked it up and raced on it if I had to, but just nothing about it to me is appealing. And yeah, they can't all be great. They can't all be Millville or Redbud or whatever. Uh, and, and I do think it adds some character to the series. I do think we need to have racing in Southern California because most of the industry is located there. I just don't know if this track is the best place I've ever seen for it. But then the alternative is what? Glen Helen? I don't like riding Glen Helen either, although I do think Glen Helen is kind of the mecca for Southern California motocross. It's just not a track that I care to ride, and definitely don't go to Lake Elsinore. Good God, don't go there. So again, just not my favorite place in the world to uh, to go riding or racing, but I'm sure that lots of people like it. I'm sure the local people that ride there all the time enjoy it, and I'm sure... There are riders that raced yesterday that that like it. Maybe Christian Craig, guys like that that wrote, that ride it often. Maybe they do enjoy it. Totally fine. You know, everybody has their preferences and what they think is great out of a a racetrack and, and especially a Lucas Oil Pro Motocross National. 
But as for the Tavidi class, I mean, Jet, he's probably one of the guys that loves this racetrack, right? He was so good again on Saturday. You, you look back at Paul 1, same thing, just impressive all the way around. And that was really his kind of breakout for how this season was going to go. And then you go back to last year, the finale, and that was even more foreshadowing for what we were going to get from Jet Lawrence in 2021. He wins his first national there. So we should have expected it, and I think we did. If you listen to this show or you listen to my Patreon podcast on race day morning, I would invite all of you to do that. It's uh, patreon.com slash industry seating. I was certainly calling for this. I just thought he would pick right back up where he left off the last time we were at this racetrack. And I don't know if it's a, you know, a texture of the dirt or the layout. Can't, I don't think it's a layout because they were backwards this year or just the comfort level of being in Southern California. I, I don't know, right? It could be a myriad of things or a combination of all of them. That makes him very, very difficult to deal with at this track. And the proof is in the results. We don't necessarily need to quantify why he's so good. It almost doesn't matter. In the end, if you just know you're great at a racetrack, who cares? He probably has some idea, but at the same time, he's only 18. So maybe, you know, he hasn't developed that just a way to vocalize why he's so good, or at least I haven't heard why he thinks he's so good here, but you watch him ride, you watch him in the motos, and no one can really touch him. He's just methodically working past and away from everybody. So it'll be interesting to see how that works its way through his career. You know, is it going to be every time we go to this track on a 250 or 450, he's just going to be a force? I would say probably yes. He's not going to dominate every single time, I don't think, because you look at the talent and it significantly steps forward. But maybe by the time he gets to the 450 class, he is the guy. You know, these guys like Tomac and Roxon and these guys maybe are either out or on their way out. And he just steps in and is immediately the force to be reckoned with in the 450 class. So bright days in his future ahead. I mean, anybody could see that, right? It's, it's, that's not breaking news. But days like Saturday just really reinforce what's to come for that kid. And uh, I think he is a a champion that we're going to really benefit from. You know, he's so charismatic and he has so much personality in the marketing side. And I think he just gives the sport an opportunity to take a step forward. You know, he will be out in front of it. And I think companies like Red Bull and whoever tag their name alongside him, maybe even bigger companies, you know, these Fortune 500 companies, it would be very enticing to want to be a part of that kid's brand. And that's what you need. You need champions that are going to attract those big companies, right? To get more eyeballs on the sport. I don't think we're ever going mainstream. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying to bring more money in the sport, to make the sport healthier, and to just ensure that our champions are the charismatic people that we want. You know, the Jeremy McGrath, the Travis Pastrana, those guys that are larger than life. I think they absolutely elevate the sport as a whole just because of who they are as people. So look for more of the same from him at Hangtown. I think he goes out and wins again. The only thing that could really trip that up would just be if he gets nervous and is thinking championship the whole day. We see that happen, right? That That's absolutely possible. He could cruise around, just be kind of gauging where Justin Cooper is and, and just bring it in. I don't even think that anybody will be close enough to him to force that. I, I, I really think the way that track is, it's going to be in the 90s again, so it's going to be hot. It's going to be 
dusty, probably, right, later in the day. It's going to be really difficult to keep moisture in the dirt. You know, a national in September at Hangtown is far, far different than a national in May at Hangtown. And we're going to see exactly what I mean by that because I've raced both. I've raced it late in the season and early in the season, and there is a very significant difference as to how the dirt shapes up and the conditions. And yeah, we're going to see on Saturday morning if I'm right or wrong, but I just expect it to be a very challenging racetrack, similar to Paula, not as soft as Paula. It'll be harder than that, but similar in hot temperatures, a battle to keep moisture in the dirt all day. And I think you're going to see riders out there just cruising. Like really, I I do. Um, There are a lot of guys that are just over this series right now. They don't have anything to race for. Their point situation is locked up. Their contracts are signed, and they will absolutely just be going through the motions. And that's that's normal for a finale. It is. We see that in Supercross. We see it in Motocross. It happens every year. Uh, you know, the seasons have been so strange lately with COVID and all these things. We haven't had that dynamic as much. But it is absolutely the way these things go. And unless you have something to race for or if you can just force yourself to focus on – putting your best foot forward and not taking it for granted and not mailing it in. It's really easy to fall into that trap where you're just cruising around and you're thinking about the off season already. You're thinking about maybe where you're going on vacation next week instead of taking advantage of the opportunity in front of you. So we'll see who can do that and who can't, but expect to see a lot of guys with very little enthusiasm cruising around the racetrack. I just think that's what we're, we're due for. And I think a lot of guys will probably sit the weekend out if they've been sick or they're beat up, if they miss Paula, don't expect a lot of those guys to come back. Uh, there's just, to me, there's more risk than there is reward for forcing yourself back in the race. Like guys like Barsha and Marvin Plessinger, uh, I would expect many of those guys to sit out. There's just no real reason to come back. You know, I don't really see the upside of getting back into a race. You know, for a guy like Plessinger, he may have already announced that he's out. I don't know but he's switching teams, you know, and there's just so much uh, a reward to take another weekend off and start to transition into recovery and getting ready for Supercross. And it's more about really getting your body right and your mind right at this time of the year, all of September. And remember, we're also racing later into the season. So, you know, last weekend would be the first off weekend in a normal Lucas Oil Pro Motocross calendar. So they're already impeding and stepping into their typical off season. So for a guy that took last weekend off and next weekend off, he's on that same schedule. So he's going to be able to rest, recover and be further along in the process. Let's say versus a guy who is racing next weekend, like Cooper Webb, he's going to race this weekend, September 11th. And then he's got to go relax and chill before he starts whatever, Supercross program he's on. And, and we all know that he's moved away from the Alden Baker program. I know he is in talks to organize his training program and coach program for 2022. I would think that program will really kick off in earnest. Testing in October, full boot camp starting November. But he's going to want time to recover. He's going to want to take some time off because they've been racing, you know, mostly on for nine months now. And that takes a toll. You need to step away from all that for a little while and recharge your batteries and get, you know, basically hit a big reset button. So point being, 
just look for a lot of guys not there this weekend and the ones that are just to be cruising around because the last thing you want to do is hurt yourself at the last race and really screw up your offseason and you screw up 2022. Back to the 50, 250 class though, Justin Cooper, I don't know what the hell is going on. That was not a good day. Uh, he gave up a ton more points. I didn't think he was going to be able to beat Jet. I really didn't. No matter how good of a day he had, I just thought Jet would be too strong at this racetrack. But I did think Justin Cooper would be better than that. The first moto, not good. I mean, he's he's just capable of more than that. So at some point, I hope we come out or he comes out with information. Is he hurt? I've heard he had a thumb injury. I heard he, I've heard he hasn't been riding much. Just give us the real story once the series is over. Like, there's nothing to hide. Who cares? Just tell us what's up. Hopefully, we get that out of him. Josh Mos or Josh Michael Moseman. Josh Moseman's his brother that works for Motocross Action. Uh, Michael Moseman, incredible ride, and I really think he has a chance to be in the title talk both indoors and out in 2022. You look at his maturation process, his acceleration curve, and and where he's at as a as a racer. And he's just getting better and better and better. Now, the one thing he has to be concerned with is he crashes a lot, right? He, he's taken himself out of series after series. And if he wants to be champion, he's got to find a way to even out those bad days. And you see Jet Lawrence, that's one of his biggest strengths, is he doesn't have horrific days. He really doesn't. Even when he crashes, they're small crashes. They're, they're small mistakes that he can recover from. And guys like Hampshire, guys like Moseman, that's what's missing. That's the final step. They can win. They can podium. But they cannot find a way to put in, you know, 12 solid days in Lucasville Pro Motocross. You don't have to win every time, but you can't have 10 solid days and two horrible days. That's a recipe to find yourself fifth or sixth in points. And, that, and that's what those guys are, are looking at. There's a reason for that. So just wanted to make a couple notes or... or talk on a couple notes of those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jet's going to wrap this title up at Hangtown and should be one of many. Uh, that kid's uh, pretty damn impressive. So the 450 class, we do uh, power rankings. And to be honest, they're pretty boring this week because most of the guys in this in these power rankings are not racing. So we'll talk through them. We'll talk about the guys that are racing and we'll talk some MXGP. But Number 10, uh, and, and this list is very similar to last week because of all the guys out. But number 10, I have Cody Shock staying in there. The kid's impressive, man. And I hope he gets something legitimate for 2022. It sounds like Honda is willing to support him wherever he goes, which is cool. But man, I want to see the kid make some money and get a real shot on a real team and a real bike. Steve Mathis mentioned that maybe he goes to Pro Circuit Kawasaki. That would be huge. Like that, that would be just an incredible opportunity and landing spot for a kid like Cody Shock, and I'm all for it. I don't know that it goes necessarily to plan because I think the expectations of that team are really high, and I don't know if he can deliver on that level. Time will tell, but I'm all for the opportunity. It's an opportunity that I wish I had gotten, and I never did. So uh, I'm cheering for Cody Shock, and, and he is he's delivering. He's riding well week in and week out, regardless of where they are, you know, what racetrack they're at around the country. Joey Savacci at nine. And, you know, Joey's been good. I almost put uh, Max Anstey in here, by the way. He had a nice ride back uh, from COVID. Um, I just didn't. So honorable mention maybe for for Max Anstey there. But Savacci, 
I expect more out of him. I expect him to be able to beat Cody Shock. He's on a factory bike. You know, he's a former race winner in the 250 class. He's a guy that's run around podium spots in the 450 class when he was on factory Kawasaki. So I don't really think he's riding that well, to be fair. He's okay. Like first moto was, was pretty decent. Second moto should be better. I think he's dealing with some health concerns. So maybe that's at the, at the root of this. But to me, in your spot, your expectation is to beat every privateer. You should not be beaten by privateer guys. And that's not, that's not a diss to Cody Shock. It's really not. I'm just saying in a vacuum, Joey Savacci should beat Cody Shock. That's your expectation. That's what you're paid for. That's why you have that ride. And he's, he's not doing it every time. You know, it's basically been one out of two several times this year. So whatever, I I'm sure Savachi doesn't care about my opinion, but that's just how I see it. I, I think he's underperforming a little bit. And if you had a full field, if you had Marv and AP and Barsha and Sexton and all these guys back in there, it would look much worse than this. Put Dean Wilson in there. Maybe Dino's in there too. Like it, it just wouldn't look like a top 10. It would be like, he's getting 12th. And I don't think that's really acceptable. So hopefully he uh, takes advantage of the opportunity at Hangtown. You just got to get in there and make the most of it. And, and again, I, I think he's dealing with some health stuff. But these days don't come along all that often, man. You've got you've to jump on the opportunity. And when, you know, top four, five, six place spots are open for the taking, you got to get in there and do it. You just have to step up to the opportunity. Because again, think about how hard this class was two months ago. It was stacked and it's, it's just not as difficult right now. And you've got to make the most of it when it's like this. Number eight, I have Marv. He was out. I don't, I don't expect him to come back. Maybe he does. Maybe he just wants to get in there and and take advantage of this field. Uh, I think his contract is signed to stay at KTM, but I don't, I don't expect him to come back. Aaron Plessinger, I hope he sits out. I think he just needs to continue to heal. He's switching teams. There's no real reason to get back into the field. Number six, Justin Barsha. I would expect him to be out too now that uh, Team USA is out. There's no reason for him to come back out. Just go rest and get ready for Supercross. Sexton, we know he's out. He's got that enlarged spleen, which was surprising. I did not see that coming at all. So look for him to be out. So that's Number eight, number seven, number six, and number five all out uh, of the series. I expect that to continue on, which is a bummer, man. We were losing a lot of the depth of the field. Number four, Webb, and he's earned this number four spot. He has certainly improved his motocross skills as of recent weeks. And, you know, he talked about that frame, taking that. And that gusset that he removed was added, right? There was so much crap I just saw on YouTube and people writing and just there is so much ignorance out there. And, and some of these YouTubers, man, just drive me insane with these takes. Just ridiculous how clueless they are. It drives me crazy. I have to I have to avoid it. I can't even watch it because I end up yelling at my TV about how ridiculous your take is. And maybe it's clickbait. Maybe they're doing it on purpose. But good Lord, it's, it's brutal. It is absolutely torture for me to watch because there's so much misinformation and just wrong. The information that people are giving and hypothesizing is just so far from true and baseless. It just drives me insane. So point being, 
these teams add gussets and add strength points to frames, which is totally legal. You're allowed to remove those. If you added it, you're allowed to remove it. You can't remove something that comes stock production-wise. But if you added a gusset for strength or rigidity, you can certainly remove it and be within the rules. So that's that's all he did. He removed something that KTM added that they thought would improve the bike at making it a little bit more rigid. He likes it to give have a little bit more flex, and that's what he's getting. Number three, Ken Roxon. Tough day for Kenny. And we kind of knew, right? We knew that... Saturday was going to be tough. You look at the conditions. It's late in the season, so his body's beaten up. It's 100 degrees. It just doesn't add up to success for Kenny. Unfortunately, those variables, when combined, you put them into a calculator, and it would eject out a poor day for Kenny. That's just what we've seen. That's what we've come to expect, and it's what we should be predicting. And I think you'll see more of it at Hangtown. I don't think... He's going to be in the battle to win. You know, maybe in the first moto before it gets super hot, he finds a way, but it's going to be in the 90s again. And I don't see where his real motivation would stem from. The championship's over. He'll try, right? His first few laps will probably be great because that's what he does. He is so lethal at the beginning of these races. You know, I think his fast twitch ability, and that's just genetics, is like world class. You know, I think he could be a sprinter or anything like that, uh, anything that has to do with fast twitch muscle fibers, he has an elite level of that. He just happens to be a motocrosser, but you see it the first lap, first couple laps, he's just better than everybody. Bar none, he's better than everybody. But then his body gives out on him. You know, we've talked about it ad nauseum uh, due to the surgeries and the immunodeficiencies and all the things that he's dealing with. And it just makes for a really tough day. And we saw that again. On Saturday, he just fades fades to the back, and there just doesn't seem like there's much he can do about it. He just doesn't have a lot of fight left to give. Number two, and also should mention that Tomac has passed Ken Roxon in these power rankings. They were really close in Supercross, and then I think Eli, with these wins as of late, has just, he's overtaken him a little bit. I think if you're doing a power ranking for, especially if you're weighing in recent weeks, Tomac's just been better as of late, and I think they've been really close otherwise. And uh, yeah, so I'll give Tomac the nod here this week. Great ride from him. His second moto, like middle of the moto, was phenomenal. You know, he was, if you watch the race, he was jumping like these uphill doubles and landing into ruts, and he wasn't even touching the brakes. Like it was crazy impressive to see him land and just flow through corners jump back down the hill, land where he wants, wide open. Uh, and the difference between watching his ability to navigate some of those sections and other guys was it's pretty crazy. You just see why he is, a, is able to win. And when he's on, when he's clicking and hitting his marks like that, good luck beating him, man. Like, and I'm talking about anybody. You know, Maybe MXGP guys because they're so adept at that type of track as well. But that's his him in his natural habitat, just ruddy, hot, blown out track where he he's just better than everybody in those situations. And Ferrandis can give him all he wants most times. But I think in that second moto, Eli absolutely deserved it. Championship, you know, considerations or not, uh, Eli was just clicking in that second moto. And, and yeah, he gets another win. That's two in a row. And I would not be surprised to see him win at Hangtown next weekend too. He, he rides that track so well. 
Uh, I still say his 2015 Hangtown ride where he won by a minute and a half. One of the most impressive rides I've ever seen, if not the most impressive ride I've ever seen. I was standing on the side of the track that day with my mouth open, like literally the, you know, picture of jaw dropping was me. And I was standing there with Michael Byrne and I'm like, looking at him, like, are you seeing this? And he was worried about his guys, you know, the, what team is now Rocky mountain KTM. He was wrapped up in them and their lap times. But I just had to say, listen, you've got to watch Tomac for a second. What, what the hell is he doing? He was five seconds a lap faster than Ryan Dungey in second five seconds. And he was just like, he is just gone lap after lap after lap. And if you want to look at something impressive, go back and look on American motocross results.com. Go find Hangtown 2015 and look at the individual lap times of Tomac versus everybody. And of course, Dungey would be, you know, the one that's the most impressive because he won so many titles, but holy hell was he good that day. So it wouldn't shock me at all to see him win. I would say the one caveat there will be, does Ferrandis ride loose and fast now? And can Ferrandis give Tomac anything, you know, can he fight fire with fire now that the championship's done and he can relax and ride stress-free? I don't know. You know, it's a great question and hopefully we get a great battle because of that. But I do think he'll ride much more loosely and more aggressively now that there's, you know, the risk has been removed and you don't have this, all this pressure weighing over you all the time, right? You can't make a mistake. You can't screw up. You can't crash. Don't push too hard. Don't get in a first turn crash. Don't do it. You know, there's all these concerns all the time that you're thinking about in that championship situation. And that's all done. Like championship's over. So he can go. And if he wants to take chances, if he wants to push the edge, he can. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see that plays out. I, I'm kind of expecting a great battle there, but uh, I would not be shocked at all to see Tomac come out with the win again. And Ferrandis number one, deservedly so. He is your Lucas Oil Pro Motocross champion. He was just so great this summer. Nobody can take anything away from him. He was the best guy over the, the you know, we were only 11 rounds in, but no one can argue that he was the best guy. He wins with a race to go. That's proof enough, right? There, there should be no argument, but I just can't express enough how, how impressed I have been by him this summer. And I didn't see it coming. I don't think anybody really did, you know, even his closest friends and trainers and all that. I don't think they would tell you that he was going to win with a race to go. Like that's, that's pretty, uh, rare air there to do that over the likes of Roxon and Tomac. And you can, you can point to issues and Roxon's, you know, got problems with health and Tomac's not on his best form. That's all fine. You can, you can say all of that and, and I get it. I, I'm not even going to push back, but in the end, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. All you can do if you're Ferrandis is be your best self and you let the chips lie where they may. You go win. You don't care that Tomac's maybe not as good as he was two years ago. Who cares? You can't control any of that. All you know is that there's still another race to go and you're already champion. And uh, that's kind of how I view it. You only can race what's in front of you. So we'll see what happens at Hangtown, but um, I'm hoping it's not just a boring race because it certainly could be. You could see Jet just cruising. You could see a lot of these guys just mailing it in. Um, but I'm hoping that that Ferrandis-Tomac battle at least gives us something something to really uh, lock into and entertaining. Otherwise, a hot day, 
wrapping the series up, man, it, it has the potential to be a boring afternoon. So let's jump into uh, MXGP. But before we do, again, want to thank the sponsors of this, Pirelli Tires, sponsoring guys like Cody Shock. They are the privateer choice in most cases for a good reason. Their tires are just incredible. Guts Racing, Rockstar Husky Graphics, use that RJ Wide Wing seat. Plum Creek Funding, go get your refi done. The Federal Reserve is starting to make moves. We haven't hiked interest rates yet, but it's coming. It's coming. They are they're sending out smoke signals. So if you're in the in the market, if you're looking to do a refi, if you're looking to buy something, you need to make moves now. We've been talking about this for over a year about the, this time and this opportunity is going to slowly get away from you if you don't act on it. Fast Foundry, efficient. That's what they do. They can help you get your business more efficient. Doesn't matter if it's startup. Doesn't matter if it's Fortune 500. If you want to do virtual events, they really have a solution for anything you might need. And that's what they do. They can analyze your business, find weaknesses, and figure out a way to you know remove any inconsistencies, any inefficiencies that you may have. And I was kind of thinking about that yesterday. I was riding my bicycle. If you are a company, a lot of times you don't really know where your weakness is, right? Things are pretty good. You know, maybe you're kind of stagnant. You're stuck in a rut. You know, sales aren't going up. You know, maybe you're not getting your margin, your net margin or EBITDA where you want it. That's where I think Fast Foundry can help. They can analyze your business and find ways to maybe reduce costs, get your margins up, work on supply chain. That's a, a big one now. So I, I think they can really help you with things that you may not have answers for, right? So you can explain some of the things that you're struggling with and maybe just ask questions, right? They are the, they're the experts on some of this stuff. So maybe they can find a solution for you and uh, something that you may not even know that you have a problem with, but they can look over your stuff and be like, what if we did this? What if we did that? I think that's a really great question to ask someone like that. So reach out to Fast Foundry and ask for Robert. Works Connection, JT21, use that Pro Launch Start device, rip hole shots, just like factory Honda guys do, just like the Monster Start Energy, Monster Start, that's not it. That sounds like Todd Harris, what he would do. Uh, Monster Energy Star Yamaha team, they use that. Most of the factory teams do, and for good reason. It's been around forever, for good reason. Use that promo code and get yourself one today. Blenzol, that new Ultra TPI, getting Michael Lessie back out on the racetrack. They sponsor a lot of the the podcasts out there, a lot of the privateers out there. I think they were helping, I think they were helping Jerry Robin at one point. Uh, but they're really active and great products. Brand has been around forever and really trying to revitalize how you think about Blenzol. Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia. Mention the podcast. Get yourself a discount. Go to their Instagram. It's Premier Vapor Blasting, and you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. The restoration process that they do for your bikes, parts, they can do almost anything. They can do boots. They can do all kinds of stuff, and they will have that stuff looking like new. It's in crazy technology that they're using these days. 612 suspension, any sort of power sports product, side-by-side, dirt bike, street bike, whatever you may have, they can have it working much better than it is today. They are a race tech affiliate, so you get stuff like gold valves. You get that quality work and service that you're looking for. Check those guys out today. Ask for Ronnie over there and mention the podcast. Pro Glow Wash. Moto 15 is the code at checkout. Use a power sports wash that was specifically formulated for what you're using it for. Don't use some off-the-shelf you know, off the shelf 
Simple Green or whatever. Use ProGo Wash. It was built for this. It's built to get that chain lube off. And if you have a street bike, it's built to get that road grime off. That's what you want. You want something that has the right chemicals and the right formulation to clean what you're cleaning. It's not built to get stuff off the side of your house. This is a power sports wash made by ProGlow. So check those guys out. Use the promo code MOTO15. And Grantstone Boots, got to wear those last night, went to dinner. Uh, love those things. I wish I got to wear them more than I do. But for those of you who work in an office environment, could not recommend them anymore. Even if you just go, like to go into town on the weekends, check out Grandstone Boots. Flyracing.com. Of course, you know I work there. So please give flyracing.com a look. Now let's jump into MXGP and MX2. And I will be doing another podcast on Wednesday. So this one's going to be a little bit shorter. But uh, I want to cover the Wednesday doubleheader round of MXGP as well. They're in Turkey. And I'm hearing good things about Turkey, like the area around the racetrack. It's just not a place I really want to go to. But it seems like this specific little vicinity of the racetrack is pretty nice. So MX2 class, Renault increases his points lead. And it seems like it's really his championship to lose now. Which is crazy because there's so much racing left. But he just is putting himself in good position after good position. And his closest rivals are not. They are doing all kinds of dumb things. So it looks like Renault may end up being your MX2 champion. He wins this, He wins race two, uh, holding off a charge from Tom Vial, who ended up crashing right at the end. But Renault's just getting it done. So congrats to him. I believe Tom Vial is the best rider in the class. You know, he was hurt. He had that huge head-on collision with, uh, I think it was Rowan van Moshtijk earlier in the season, which really cost him. You know, I, I truly believe he would be Again, the champion in this class, and I think he will be the champion next year. I just think he's better than these guys, and when he's fully healthy, you're seeing that happen. You know, the first moto, he ran away with it. The second moto, he was chasing Renault down, and I think he'll win on Wednesday. I just think he's he is your best rider in the class, but yeah, the points clearly got away from him from, from that injury. Yago Geertz, <laughs> I don't know. I had a pause there on purpose. Um I don't know what to make of his season. I don't know why he's running around in seven, eight, nine at a track like this. Like I get it. This isn't his perfect track. Like the conditions are not great for him. Hard pack, hot. Those aren't things that I think really work for him specifically, but you got to be better than that. You can't be in seventh and eighth in this class. You're supposed to be the championship contender. You're supposed to be making the most of days like that where conditions are difficult, you have to shine. And he did anything but shine. So I just kind of shrugged my shoulders. I don't know. I don't know why he's not winning. I think he should be. I think he's expected to be if you look at his results over the years. So maybe he bounces back Wednesday, but that was not a good, not a good Sunday. MXGP class. uh, I mean, Hurling's got it done, right? He did what he needed to do. Now, I think in the second moto, you know, he's got to find a way to beat Geyser in both. He finds himself 36 points down and he's chipping away at it. It's true. You know, it was 43, then it was 39, now it's 36. But I think if he can find a way to beat him in both, you start taking big chunks out of it. And then you really put the pressure on Geyser because at 36 points, I don't think that Geyser is super concerned with hurlings. You know, I, I know he's thinking about it, but he's got bigger problems. He's got to think about Prado and Tony and Febra, 
before he even gets to Hurlings. Hurlings is like fifth in points. So I think for the moment, Geiser is worried about himself, doing his own thing, race what's in front of you. If Jeffrey can find a way to beat him in both motos, like say he goes out and goes 1-1 on Wednesday, you start to change Geiser's thought process where he's worried about you now. He's thinking about you instead of thinking about himself. And that's what you want. If you are Jeffrey, you want to get in Tim Geiser's head, not necessarily by force. You're not going to do anything to him to make it uncomfortable. Your results are going to cause that thought process to change. That's what you want. You want the pressure to start ramping up and mounting on Tim Geiser to win. And if you can force that, if you can get Geiser out of his comfort zone, then you maybe you force a mistake. You get him not racing his own race anymore. He's He's got all this extra pressure that he doesn't really have now. And he's got to think about it so much more, right? He's not reacting. He's thinking. And typically, racers are at their best when it's instinctual and they're just reacting to the things that are going on around them instead of thinking. And you've got points in your head and where's Jeffrey and is Jeffrey going to beat me? And you start getting this mental calculator going on in your mind about points. All those things really work in Jeffrey's favor. So the catalyst for that is you got to beat Tim in both motos. You got to turn a three point weekend gain into like a 10 point weekend gain. That's where it really starts to ramp up and you get the ball rolling. Jorge Prado, that guy really does not like his teammates. (laughs) <laughs> there's so much drama behind the scenes with Prado and his team and Cairoli and Kate's, the Red Bull KTM side of Jeffrey Hurlings and the gas gas. And there are so many moving parts and Prado. I think Prado is just trying to establish himself as the alpha. And that's why you see him getting incredibly aggressive with Tony, incredibly aggressive with Jeffrey. And you're seeing those guys start to give it back now. Because there is all of this tension behind the scenes. Prado wants to be the A guy on DiCarli KTM. He wants to be the guy. And right now, that's difficult because you have Tony Cairoli, who is not only the nine-time champion and one of the best to ever do it, but he's also like tied with you in points. So why would they consider Prado the alpha and like the man give him all the attention when you have Tony still there? Tony's still in the mix. So there's a lot... Again, a lot happening and a lot of hard feelings and a lot of back and forth bickering um, that's it, that's going on. And, and there's just a, a battle for power within KTM. And this is my opinion, right? I, I don't have all of the facts, but I've talked to enough people that know. And if you watch on the racetrack, you can see it. You see these guys going for the kill on each other, right? You see Tony and Prado getting incredibly aggressive and they're teammates, which is not really great. If you're David DiCarli or Claudio DiCarli, you're like, come on, <laughs> like, whoa, relax, like chill out. You guys are on the same team. You saw how aggressive Prado was with Jeffrey in Latvia a few weeks ago. This is all, those are all side effects of the drama going on off the track. So just watch for that. I don't know how it all ends. DeCarly still has to hire another rider. I don't know if it's Tony or not. Uh, Jeffrey's obviously, in my opinion, Jeffrey is KTM's golden goose. Of course they want Prado. Of course they think Prado can win, but Jeffrey is 
their highest paid rider. And that's, I think, where they see championships coming from. And I don't think that Prado necessarily loves that. He doesn't want to be second fiddle to anyone. I don't care if it's Jeffrey Hurlings or baby Jesus. And I'm kidding, right? Don't be offended by that. I'm just, that's what Prado, he wants to be the guy. And I would simply tell him to be the guy. You got to beat the guy. And if you want to be KTM's primary concern, then you better go beat Jeffrey Hurlings every time out. And you better show them why they should think you can be that guy. And I think he's doing his best. Um, I just think it's interesting to watch all of the the dynamics behind it and all the mental games and, and the fight for supremacy within one brand or within Austria anyway. Uh, Tim Geiser, uh, a really nice ride. But again, that second moto, you know, if you're on the Tim Geiser side where we discussed the hurling side before, if you're on Tim Geiser, you just need to keep the status quo. Take the wins when they're there. When Jeffrey doesn't get a good start and you have a chance to go gain points, do it, right? It doesn't have to be perfect every time, but as long as you can keep it, keep a big lead, 30 plus, 40 plus over Jeffrey, good to go. And then manage the situations over Prado and Fevra and Cairoli and just stay where you are. You don't have to go 1-1 on the weekend, but just make sure if you have a bad first moto, bounce back, which he did this weekend, and just... Don't let anybody get on a roll. Don't let Prado gain all this momentum where he thinks he's now the best guy or you can't let Jeffrey rack up a bunch of one ones and close the gap down and turn a, a multi-rider battle. You can't add another one. You don't want it to be a five-rider battle for the championship. So that was nice to see if you're a Geiser fan, to see him be resilient in Moto2. And I think Wednesday will be pretty telling to see if he can keep that momentum going or is Jeffrey on the right track is Jeffrey going to make this, you know, a, a two man showdown at the end. You know, the, the cool thing is that the, there are a lot of guys w- close, relatively close. <clears throat> you do, Jeffrey's 36 points back and he's in fifth, but all the other guys are close. Like they're 15, 20 points down, which isn't a lot. When you have a class that's this deep, if Geiser has a crash, you can make up 10 points really easy in one moto for these guys, because there are, several guys that are good enough, which is kind of the opposite from the USA series. There aren't enough good guys. MXGP is super deep. So if you screw up, you're going to pay a heavy price points wise, because we're not even talking about guys like Sewer and Koldenhoff and all these guys that can get in there and even make it more difficult for you to, to climb back up the ladder. So just watch that. If, if Geiser does have a big mistake, points are really easy uh, well, I'd say they're hard to come by, but they're easy. It's easy to lose a lot with one mistake. Roman Fevra, it's okay, right? He, he was good. Um, he looks pretty loose to me. He needs to find a way to rack up some wins. He's in this championship fight, but I think when I view Fevra and his chances, he's got to win. I mean, he has to win races and I, I know I'm sure he knows that. that's not breaking news. That's not great analysis. But I think the only way for him to win this championship is by force. I don't think he's going to out consistency. That's not even a word. I don't think he's going to get it done by consistency because Prado and Cairoli and Geyser, those guys, are they all know how to do that. They're all past champions. They understand that dynamic. Fevre has to go out and just win. He's just got to take it and, and prove he's the best guy. I don't think he's going to personally. Um, I think he'll be right there. I think he'll win races, but I don't see him uh, ending up as a champion. That's just my opinion. I don't have any 
specific reason for it. I just think Jeffrey, I think Prado starts are too good. And I think Geyser is, is probably a little bit better than Febra in the end. These points are great. What happens Wednesday? That's a great question. Quick turnaround. Who can recover? Um, I think Tony, if he could get a good start, I think he's capable of winning on this racetrack. He was so damn impressive in that first moto. He had so much speed, but the starts are killing him, which is not normal for Tony. He is typically a great starter. He's got to put himself in better position to succeed. And I think if he, if he does that on Wednesday, if he gets the start, if he's first, second, third on the first lap, I think he has a chance to win. I think his pace and his intensity proved that on Sunday, but he can't keep starting 10th. You can't do that to yourself because there is too much talent at the front of the field and they're going to be gone by the time you get into the top five. You won't even be able to see them. So I think that's uh, that's something to watch for. Can Tony improve the starts and, and give himself a chance to win on Wednesday? I will do another podcast after the Wednesday round. I will be flying, but I'm going to try to do it uh, either on my layover or when I land in Florida. But I do want to cover Wednesday's round. And I love talking about this class because it's so deep and there's so many different guys that can win. I just think it's uh, it's really interesting. And if you haven't been watching, go back, go on mxgp-tv.com, watch the archives, get caught up because we have a crazy good series in MXGP class specifically down the stretch. Uh, there are, again, there are five guys within 30 points and they all can win. They can all win each individual weekend. So we have everything that we'd hoped for in the USA series that we didn't get. We absolutely have it for the MXGP series. So thanks. That's it for this week. I appreciate everybody listening and we will talk to you on Wednesday. See you.